Hello, everyone. It's Brittany here from Boston Food Journal, and I am with my sissy, Caitlin. <laughs> hey, everyone. <laughs> Other, otherwise known as Cattle. No yes. idea why. You're otherwise known as Brattle. Yes, we have weird nicknames for each other. We're just going to let you know that now in episode one. So if we ever <laughs> refer to each other as cattle and brattle. You can decode. You can decode. We don't know why. We can't answer that, <laughs> but we just do. Um, but in all seriousness, we're so excited that you guys are joining us on the Side Dish podcast. This is our very first episode. So we're pumped and we can't wait to get into the nitty gritty giving you guys tons of information about food and drink and the local hospitality scene. So real quick, I figured I could just do an overview of what this podcast is. And then Kate and I can talk a little bit about why we decided to do it um, and what our background is just because it is the first episode. So every week we'll drop a new episode Thursday at 5 p.m. Um, at first, Kate will go over an approachable wine tip of the week, something you can drink this summer, either a red, white, or a rosé without breaking the bank, but also um, a wine that will shock your friends and really amp up your dinner party. Then the most exciting part is we're going to be doing in-depth interviews with some of Boston and New England's, New England's biggest tastemakers. Um, we're gonna be talking about the nitty gritty of how they got doing what they're doing, how they um, became established in the industry, what inspires them, et cetera. So that's gonna be really, really fun. And then lastly, I'm gonna give you some insider Boston Food Journal knowledge where to dine, what's happening locally, and some cool discounts and promos that you might not know about unless you're following me or tuning in. So that's really the overview of Side Dish. We hope you guys love it. Always open to feedback, so feel free to DM us or rate and review. Those are gonna be very crucial to us as we progress. But Kate, I figured we could start by just talking about like our upbringing and how food was always like the center of what we did. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Our, our entire day revolved around what we were having for dinner. <laughs> so it so, so does. So it's day. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, our mom, Betsy, shout out to Betsy. Shout She's a Betsy. fantastic cook. Um, and, you know, we just grew up with really delicious homemade meals. Pasta was always a favorite because mm, we are also Italian. Food. Yep. Big foodie, um, foodie people. And our dad, at least for me, maybe Brittany doesn't enjoy this as much, but um, our dad is a big collector of Italian red wines, especially. Yep. So we grew up kind of tasting wines and, you know, trying to understand Sampling. tasting Sampling notes and all that best. stuff. And I've come yeah. a long way because one time I, I told one of my friends that, you know, the wine grew, the grapes for the wine grew near the cocoa trees. And that's why I tasted like chocolate. Didn't make any sense, but. I've come a that's long way only, since then. That's <laughs> only like a wine joke if you know what you're talking about with wine. Because when you just said that, I was like, so? That's not true? Like, <laughs> No, like what? the tasting notes. You know how you say, oh, I'm getting cocoa. Yeah. I thought, I was like, oh, the grapes grew near the cocoa plants. And my friend was oh, like, are you kidding God. me? Shout out well, to Rachel. She's probably listening. <laughs> Hi, Rachel. Um, <laughs> that's the, so like, I get the question all the time. How did I start Boston Food Journal? That's why. Food for us, like going out to dinner on a Friday night was our passion. Finding new restaurants was our passion, still is. Mm -hmm. We ate dinner together every night. Our day is really just surrounded by dinner. So when I first moved to Boston, Kate and I moved in together. And we lived right in the heart of the South End. And all the time, every night, we would either get takeout or go out locally. And I remember just being like so amazed by all of the amazing um and authentic restaurants just in our backyard, essentially. And I started the Boston Food Journal on a whim. Caitlin was right there. I was like, I'll do this thing. 
really wasn't planned out, but that's really the basis of why we're here today um, and why we're doing this podcast, just because I want to be able to use my connections. Caitlin wants to be able to share her knowledge and love and passion of food, and we want to just bring relevant, fun food information to you guys. Yeah. So we're so excited for today's guest. Um, we're going to be interviewing with Randwan from Blossom Bar, Ivory Pearl, and Baldwin Bar. Caitlin and I actually went to Blossom together a couple of weeks ago, and it was we literally ordered food for like five people. <laughs> we were oops. like, oops, you know, when everything looks so good, you kind of have to just try it all. And we got a little bit lit because the cocktails, we'll jump into that with Ram, but the cocktails are so insanely good. Yeah, we definitely had a scorpion bowl, except it was <laughs> in a giant amongst, shell glass. Amongst it was many the cutest other things. things. That was just oh. our appetizer drink. <laughs> yeah. So it was a good time. It was. Um, so anyway, we'll start with Kate's wine tip of the week. Kate, what are we sipping on today? Yes. All right. Well, in honor of spring, and let's be honest, we all wanted to think of it as the start of summer, rosé all day season, yes. right? Yes. So I thought I would start off with one of my favorite bubbly rosés. And my fiance, James, and I stumbled across this one um, in Formaggio Kitchen, where we used to Love. live right near in the South End. And we went in there. We weren't really sure what we were feeling. It was, it was warm out. And this rosé was recommended to us um, and it did not disappoint and we've gotten it many times since. So it is called, and I apologize in advance for my French, uh, Le Unique Gaz de Schiste. Sounds pretty good. Yes. And Brittany, maybe we can put this up on our Instagram or, yeah, or like absolutely. The, we'll, a picture we'll, of the wine. Yeah, we'll throw it up on our Instagram at Side Dish Podcast. So make sure to follow us there. We'll put a lot of the information that we talk about here on the gram. So Perfect. follow us there if you're not already. Perfect. Yeah. So you can see how that's spelled because um, my pronunciation leaves a lot to the imagination. So La Unique Gaz de Schiste. And it's about uh, 17 to $20, depending on where you go. But again, I, I found the wine at Formaggio Kitchen. And I know they have several locations around the city. So I'd recommend you guys um, go see them as well. But because I liked it so much, I did a lot of um, a little bit of research on it and it's an ancestral method sparkling rosé. So it's big with sour fruit, raspberry, and currants. Um, and it actually has a really dark pink color. So don't let that scare you. It's definitely darker than a normal rosé, but it has a lot more, I'd say, robust flavor. <clears throat> and the bubbles really add something as well, of course, um, to, to the flavor. So really kind of elevates it to the next level. So I would recommend that you pair this with an appetizer like a cheese and meat charcuterie board or seafood. So, you know, a dozen oysters or a raw bar or even, you know, a fish pasta or just a fish dinner, something that is kind of lighter. Um, and the, the, the flavors of this rosé are really going to cut nicely um, into that kind of fatty, fatty taste. So that's my wine rec of the week. And in I would honor like of that teleported to me right now with yes. some oysters. Maybe we can arrange that this coming weekend, but <laughs> hmm. um, in honor of Rand too, Britt, if I may, yes, I wanted to just tell everyone a little bit about a classic cocktail that I always make in case people want to try something new. Um, obviously, Rand can show me up in a heartbeat because he's a legend. However, 
my favorite <laughs> classic cocktail is a uh, Negroni. So it's it's an Italian aperitif, but it's a pretty simple recipe. It's just one ounce gin, one ounce of Campari and one ounce of sweet vermouth. And you stir it up, put it over a giant ice cube, um, put a little orange peel on top and a dash of bitters if you have them, but not necessary. And it's a really great drink. And I know personally for me, um, my fiance James and everyone around me loves old fashions, like all my friends. So whenever they're making old fashions, I'm, I'm always like, oh, I'll have a Negroni because it kind of looks the same. <laughs> so Classy and it's, it's, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, to me, it tastes a lot better because I'm not a big bourbon person, but um, so yeah. So if, in case anyone wants to try something new, you can get all those ingredients at your local liquor store really easily. Um, and, you know, you can use a shot glass or something to measure, um, you know, an ounce. Mm. You don't need a full-blown cocktail set. So just something to try. I love I that. I would throw out there. Seems great for summer, too, and easy to make mm -hmm. if you're not like a mixed Super easy. Definitely. Love it. Well, next, we're going to jump into our interview with Rand. Rand, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to chat with you. Yeah, no worries. Rand is a world-renowned mixologist and restauranteer. Um, you can find Rand at Boston Bar, Baldwin Bar, and Ivory Pearl. We are so excited to chat with you. We are big fans of yours. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, at first, we were thinking maybe you could just introduce yourself and tell us how you got started in mixology and the concept behind your restaurants and bars. Of course, of course. So uh, my name is Rand Duan, um, bartender, barback, janitor, dishwasher, <laughs> essentially <laughs> our locations. Uh, so we have Baldwin Bar located in Weaver, Massachusetts. We have Blossom Bar located in Brookline. And we recently opened Ivy Pearl, which is also in Brookline. Uh, so I essentially started bartending, um, which it kind of, uh, I kind of landed the role unintentionally. Uh, I graduated from Johnson Wales in 2009. And once I graduated during that era, there was that great depression where it was very hard for us to find a job. So, you know, I didn't know what else to do. Uh, luckily for me, my father opened up Sisson Garden 2, which is now the Baldwin Bar uh, in Woodbury, Massachusetts. And he needed someone to kind of come in and just help him with operation. So in 2009, uh, essentially, I took over the bar program with no bar experience at all, as in didn't know how to bartend or anything like that. So, so oh, wow. uh, look, looking for, luckily for me, I was a really good drinker at that time. <laughs> so... So uh, I frequented bars like Eastern Standard. I frequented bars like Deep Ellum, Drink, all, you know, all yeah. those top top cocktail bars, especially around that era during Boston. And, uh, you know, I was able to kind of see what people were doing, talk to bartenders and kind of just you know, kind of learn from them just from a guest perspective, which is very interesting because, you know, I've never had classic training. I've never worked under anyone that, you know, that had that experience so it was kind of like me kind of figuring out what i could do to you know essentially deliver craft cocktails at a chinese restaurant in the middle of nowhere in woodburn massachusetts uh yeah. so fast forward till around 2012 2013 that's when i really kind of started to really dive into craft cocktails i mean i was obsessed with cocktails you know constantly trying to hit up all the cocktail bars not just in massachusetts in new york you know studying just just drinking and obviously <laughs> drinking, you know, uh, drinking to a point where, you know, drinking for science, that's, that's, that's the better way to kind of put it. Uh, so, so it got to the point where I'm like, Hey, cool. I'm actually getting somewhere. Um, this is really cool. We're starting to do some really interesting things. And, you know, we were kind of trying to figure out the evolution of 
Baldwin Bar and how we can kind of give it a different identity than just Sichuan Garden, a Chinese restaurant, get people very happy, uh, how should I say, very intrigued to come visit us in Woburn, Massachusetts, because, you know, obviously Woburn's 25, 30 minutes from Boston and getting people to drive that far out of the city, you have to do something very special. Right. So, you know, we slowly started to transfer uh, Baldwin Mansion, which is also a historic mansion built in 1661. Mm -hmm. uh, and we slowly started converting into different little, you know, areas. Um, and that time around 2014, 2015, um, I started doing cocktail competitions. And the first one I did was Bacardi Legacy in 2014. I actually finished second place in the U.S., which wow. was really, really incredible i was surprised that i even got that far to be honest with you uh and, and uh it really kind of lit a flame in me i'm like wow like this is amazing like you know not just like the cocktail competition of placing but the fact that it was giving you know my family's business more pr more publicity where you know yeah. the publicity where big companies would uh would essentially have pr teams behind them you know like that they've hired to kind of push your brand and stuff so by me placing second got me a little natural spotlight i'm like oh man this is awesome I, next year come around i'm definitely going to try to gun for more you know i'm trying to get more pr for our family because you know being a family restaurant we don't have that capital we don't have that luxury of having right. all these big companies promote your brand so come come around 2015 was uh, uh sorry coming around 2015 was a year when it really took off for me where uh, I took two national competitions and I was able to represent the uh, U.S. in uh, Bacardi Legacy as well as uh, Bobby Sapphire and Boston Magic Fire Panther. So uh, I, I was just very hungry in 2015 where I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to slay pretty much. But <laughs> the, the thing for me when I say slay was it's like the motive for me was so much different because it wasn't just me as a bartender. It was me helping out my family's right. business, getting us on the map. Right. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like. Once your family's involved, it's like you take the gloves off. Like I'm, I'm yeah, I'm you're ready to go. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we're the same. Yeah. So I was very, very lucky in 2015. Um, obviously, you know, um, to kind of start building my team, but not just that. That really kind of put our cocktail bar on the map, where people really started to take us seriously. Was like, oh my god, maybe this actually is something cool that's happening in Woburn. Um, and that, that was probably the turning point in my career where I'm like, all right, man, like, I'm, that's it. I'm, I'm a bartender for life. Like, right or die, you know, this is it. This is my career path. Like, forget hotels, forget everything else. This is the direction <laughs> we're going to go. Um, so come around 2015, 2016, we actually invested uh, in turning our upstairs dining room at the, uh, the Baldwin Bar into the Baldwin Sun Training Company, which is around a 50-seat cocktail bar that's hidden. Uh, inside Ooh. the Baldwin Mansion that's above the Baldwin Bar. So it's super confusing. Uh, the Baldwin Bar essentially, once again, is a historic mansion, but we have two hidden cocktail bars. Ooh. Baldwin Bar downstairs is like a Tiki-inspired cocktail bar, and upstairs is the Baldwin Sons Trading Company. So uh, we've never turned back. And, you know, fast forward to 2021. It's 2021 right now, right? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. We've lost track. Yeah. yeah. We don't know what year it is, but yes. <laughs> Yeah, something something like that. Something you know, like that. We've been very we've been very fortunate to you know really be influential in the drinking scene, not just in Woburn, but I I like to think in Boston at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know we we've been able to you know like get some really um, big uh, nominations. We've been nominated for five years in a row for James Beard Outstanding Bar Program over there. Um, we've been you know 
we've been nominated and we've won a couple awards for some of the top bars in you know the world which is yeah. like till this day i still pinch myself because amazing I, I still, to, to me i'm still that you know that dude from 2014 2015 where you know we're just trying to you know take our family's business to the next step you know it's right. uh i don't want to say gentrification because i use that word's used so negatively but you know at the same time you got to embrace the future and you got to embrace change so that was kind of like the evolution of turning phase one of my family's business into something that's a little more highly um targeted and branded and designed to kind of you know how should i say uh attract more than just like the general public you know what i mean like right. yep. uh you got to the point where people are seeking us out just to drink cocktails which you know I, it was an honor for me uh yep. i mean we we've we heard stories of people getting off the plane and taking a taxi straight to <laughs> our bar you know what i mean and this was before uber was a thing too so so we we were very very lucky um and you know fast forward obviously you know proving the concept to my father was very very interesting for me because it's like you know there's this whole thing where you don't want to dishonor the family but not but not just that like you know you want to make them proud so you know it was it was very uh it was very hard for my dad to kind of let go of the uber location let me uh take control essentially but you know i think i've you know i think i've done pretty well and he, he's super happy um I'd so, say come, so. <laughs> come around to, to Come around 2007-2018 was kind of like the lineage of uh, essentially the era of Blossom Bar. That's kind of the way I should call it, I guess. Um, obviously, Sitzman Garden, Blossom Bar. Sitzman Garden has been in Brookline for uh, about 25 years. And it's probably... I've seen Sitzman Garden evolve from, obviously, you know... Uh, local Chinese restaurant, little hole in the wall, pop shop to obviously what it is now. But like Blossom Bar means so much to me because I grew up in Brookline personally. I went to four different grade schools in Brookline, just moving around, you know, as, you know, we, we kind of established ourselves a little more. So, you know, me being in Brookline and me being at that location meant a lot to me because I used to do Homer growing up, just like on the corner. I was running, I was wow. that little kid running takeout up and down during the holidays, helping your parents out. Like, you know, like the Aww. generic things you see in like in the holiday movies or something like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's essentially what we did. You know what I mean? So like that location was the most, for me, uh, most important for me. And, uh, you know, when we were coming up with a name for the concept, Blossom, obviously uh, the verb of Blossom is, you know, to to blossom, the the to develop, to grow. So that was kind of like the reason why we picked Blossom Bar. Oh, the, the title obviously everyone mm. thinks it's because blossom you know doing with the asian heritage and everything but it's that's actually the true meaning is the verb of blossom that's why we picked blossom so essentially you know we looked at the cocktail landscape of what was going around boston um obviously tiki was coming in really hot uh but there was mm. no tropical bars uh, i'm not sure if you ladies know the difference between tropical and tiki but there's a big difference in genre and culture mm -hmm. obviously uh tiki cocktails are influenced more in the polynesian aspects you find more of your mai tai scorpion bowl stuff like that which is synonymous with chinese restaurants yeah. uh oh. tropical is more like mojitos pina coladas oh. uh, things you find more in the latin find more in the latin culture if that that's makes any sense that's that's so, interesting i didn't know that yeah yeah well you know I'm, I'm, yeah I'm now we do we can bring in a little <laughs> a little yeah. education it, it, 
Exactly. You know, and, and for, for us too, one of our, you know, mentalities, you know, we, we don't want our guests to just get a buzz. Like we want people to leave with also education. So, so it's, it, you know, we, we, all of our cocktails to, you know, the stories behind the drinks to the ingredients, everything's very thought on meticulously. Right. Where, you know, we don't, we don't just try to, you know, put a cool name to it and put different ingredients. Uh, there's a concept between, you know, obviously paying respect to the culture, to the heritage and, you know, how we can, you know, put it in our own win way and put in our own spin. So right. 2018 happened and opening Boston bars also praised it. Also, one thing you didn't realize is um, I also uh, help out with a bar in Taiwan. So around 2018, oh, wow. while, open, while opening up Blossom Bar, I was traveling between Taiwan uh, for this cocktail bar called Core. Uh, Core is run by the Loop Group, which is the biggest uh, ed like EDM festival group, like nightclub, night venue group in Asia, pretty much. So we did this crazy cocktail concept called Core, which is an ultra hip hop lounge where mm, like it's all craft like cocktails, hip hop music, DJs. And it's crazy because right next door, they also have an ED, uh, uh, EDM nightclub called Omni. So like I was jumping back and forth between those two, just helping out with beverage programs, just developing like standards and stuff like that. So all That's I'll wow. do now while trying to open Blossom Bar was definitely... It, it was definitely i think i bit off a little too much to chew at that time but <laughs> luckily for me we we had amazing uh we have amazing staff with will i, I know i think you met will on your last visit yeah right? yep i did meet will he's great yeah so we have you know will patrick who's over at baldwin and you know we we're very lucky where we had a pretty well established staff where i could kind of be a little less hands-on after you know the system's yeah. all there so um, yeah, fast forward to now 2020 during the pandemic, uh, we opened up Ivory Pearl. Ivory Pearl is a seafood restaurant, uh, seafood emporium. It's pretty much, uh, seafood is one of my favorite. I mean, I know you can't really say it's a genre of food, but seafood is literally what I consider like the holy grail food. Uh, mm. Super clean, super healthy, but not just that. Right. If it's done right, it's simple, like the flavors yep. are incredible. So you know, I really wanted to open up a place where I could indulge, but not just that, but I can share my love of seafood to all my friends, my family, and my guests. Um, you know, if you look at all the these, I mean, Boston's known for seafood. New England's known for some of the freshest seafood in the world. So, right. um, you know, it, it was synonymous that, you know, we, we obviously try to pair with cocktails or wine or something like that. So we kind of came up with the Ivy Pro was a concept I've been working on for a couple of years. And, uh, it came to fruition uh, at the old Grisona space located on 1704 Beacon Street. Fun fact about that space, actually, uh, I tried getting that space about 10 years ago when really? I put a bid in the lease, when it was a sushi spot before it was Fairstead and Grisona. Um, and it, it, I just find it kind of funny how it's, it kind of came full circle that full I circle, now, yeah. yeah. But what, what's a kicker is Will used to be the bar manager of Fairstead. No way. Yeah, so. That is so, full circle. And so that was his first ever like bar room position at that wow. space. So 10 years later, he comes back to the same space. So, that and, is so funny. yeah, so we thought it was kind of like the concept is kind of meant to be a little bit, you know, like yeah, that's really. what I, I like to think, or that's what I'm going to tell my kids growing up. So, <laughs> so yeah. That. Um, that is 
Awesome. I can't wait to, and that's, um, you're right next to Barcelona, Barcelona right? Barcelona, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't wait to check that out. You know, what's funny is whenever I post about Blossom, people always write me and say, have you tried Ivory Pearl? Their burger is insane. Like people yeah. really <laughs> like your burger. There. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, like the feedback I get all the time. And, and you know, Ivory Pearl is not just see-through too. We, we have, I mean, we take pride in the food obviously, but our burger, our pork chops, our chicken sandwiches, anything like that, like it's 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 all incredible. I I mean not to be biased or anything, but you know, <laughs> it's uh we 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 definitely I we ate a lot of burgers to get to where we were with R and D. So right. so right. yeah. But that's, that's good. I'm I'm glad people are, you know, messaging you and telling, you know, praising the food. That 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 means a lot to us. So that's good to hear. Oh yeah, always such good feedback about all of the concepts really. Um, and obviously Caitlin and I went ourselves and had a ball. So yep. <laughs> really good. You definitely don't cut corners. And I love what you said about your cocktails earlier. You said it was science. I think mixology is a lot of science. And I think it's, it's cool that you look at it that way. Yeah. Um, you had talked a lot about family. We know that's really important to you. It's important to us as well. So we love that. Um, how has your family inspired the cocktail concepts that you have and also the decor in your restaurants so the cocktail concepts are kind of interesting so um going back to the Baldwin bar uh when like i said earlier when i when i took around 2009 when we were kind of developing the concept throughout 2014 2015 2016 before we remodel upstairs uh i guess the cocktail style and aesthetics changed because well this will it's a perfect example because you know I've come to realize that we're we're not going to make drinks for ourselves as much as I want to make the fanciest drinks in the world. It's it's about what the guest wants. It's about what they want to eat and what they want to drink. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are paying for it and they're the ones reviewing. We want to make sure everyone's happy. So right. uh, the Baldwin Bar is a perfect example of how two different concepts can coexist in one. Um, obviously, when we when I first started, when I officially changed Sissel Garden to Baldwin Bar around two thousand five. 2004, uh, we got a lot of heat because we took off the Mai Tais. We took a lot of the Tikiism cocktails off the menu and we started doing a little more like speakeasy, adventurous style cocktails, uh, Manhattan riffs to, you know, just a piece of sours, just things that I thought people were going to want. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first year, first year or two, it was very tough because what I found out was, especially during back then, Woburn is, uh, obviously a city but you know a lot of our clientele were more let's say construction workers or mm. you know just families locals that just wanted to come in and crush two three mai tais eat some chicken <laughs> fingers and then go home you know what i mean like yeah <laughs> so it, it was that hard balance of us where how do we make people happy but at the same time how can we express ourselves and do something cool where you know we can turn this into a destination so that's that's essentially why we open up uh Baldwin's Sons last uh we opened up Baldwin's Sons because uh it was how should I say this so the Baldwin bar downstairs is kind of designed more for the general public that just wants scorpion bowls Mai Tais Tikiism cocktails and the upstairs bar is more of that um elevated cocktail program where you do find more refinement in presentation ingredients as well as spirits uh so we were able to kind of create both environments are totally separate where downstairs looks like a tiki bar with tropical floral wallpaper versus upstairs, the Bond Sons Trade Company. It looks like a, like a library or like a bar you would find in London, you know? Yeah. So 
so we were able to kind of create two different dynamics to have different programs, but at the same time, cater to two different people, uh, not two different, two different, uh, uh, consumers, consumers. Yes. That's a word I'm looking for. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it, it, it's, it turned out to be a thing of beauty where, you know, we, we, at the end of the day, we want to give people every, everything that we can. If we can't make it, we're going to make it for them. So, so that was kind of the thought process between the cocktail program there. Uh, the cool thing about the Ball and Sons training company upstairs is all the cocktails upstairs are essentially inspired by my travels or inspired oh, cool. by like just growing up as childhood memories or something. I know you originally asked about the after school snack uh, before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that cocktail, have, did you see the photo of that cocktail by chance? I don't think so. I did, I think, when I was looking at it up, yeah. Going through it, yeah. So, so essentially, like, after school snack, for example, that cocktail uh, is inspired by pretty much my childhood, where it's, I mean, inspired by a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, uh, to be frank, you know? Well, um, I'm not yeah. going to make it any fancier than it is. Uh, uh, where, you know, we take some really high quality jam, rum, uh, mix it up. And, uh, then we fat wash, you know, rum with peanut butter. I mean, it's obviously fat washing has been done a lot, but, you know, keep in mind when we launched, uh, let's see the after school snack, I think that was around 2016. That was around our second menu for Bones and Sons. Uh, we have other con- uh, cocktails upstairs, downstairs, but mostly upstairs that's inspired by my travels. So I was lucky enough, obviously, in 2015 when I won the party legacy, as well as Bombay South Formosa, manager bartender. Uh, 2005 to 2017 was probably the craziest year of my life where I was able to travel to, I think, 15 countries. Wow. Um, wow. And all the, all the travel was pretty much co-signed with uh, the competition where they took me around talked about the story of Father's Advice, which was my Bacardi Legacy cocktail. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, I got to go around the world. I went to Australia, China, Korea, Paris. Uh, I went to Spain. I mean, you, na- you name all the big like food countries, food cities. Uh, I was lucky enough to experience it. But more importantly, I was lucky enough to experience a culture as well mm-hmm. as some amazing cocktail bars. So I was able to take a lot of those ideas and those flavors I found during traveling and put them in cocktails and experiences, if that makes any sense. It does. Um, That's amazing. You know, and, and for us as, you know, bartenders, um, I, I really don't like to use the word mixologist, just for the record. I prefer okay. bartender. But but once again, you know, it's it's kind of like a, it's, uh, but, but, you know, it's okay. It's, it's kind of become like that, like, you know, that synonymous thing when people think of bartenders. But um you know, for, for us, when we try to create uh, drinks or food, is it's always that our number one goal is when someone sips that drink or someone takes that bite, it transforms them. You know, it's mm-hmm. supposed to, like if you can connect the bridge to someone where it transforms them to their childhood or a place they've been before, they're going to remember that experience more and then they're going to want to come back and that's going to make it craveable. Um, have you ever eaten something like, wow, that reminds me of my mom's cooking or this dish I used oh, to have? Definitely. Before? It's like, it's like oh, that's, yeah. that's like that's a bridge that we all strive for in the yep. you know hospitality industry because that makes it memorable. So you know that's what we always try to do. So that was a constant between like for example after school snack. We have a we, we have different cocktails on the menu. E- even like an entry, uh, uh you had the broken Spanish at Blossom Bar, right? Yeah, I think I think that's the one I keep getting there that I really like. <laughs> yeah, I tried so, a different one every time. So yellow, right? So so. So this is the prime example. So the broken Spanish is essentially margarita. Like it's 
Mm-hmm. Avocado, coconut cream. Uh, we blend with fresh avocados daily. And then on the rim is a tajin uh, grasshopper chapel Vegas rim. That was inspired by my trip to Oaxaca. Uh, wow. So, um, and you know that Frida, uh, that Frida uh, rug we have that you walk in from the left of Blossom. Have you yeah. seen the Frida rug? Yep. So that so it's it's kind of like synonymous with the cocktail bread in Spanish. Uh, I was lucky enough to go to Oaxaca uh, and taste mezcal tequila through Del Maguey, and we essentially sit at this uh, hacienda or this essentially this this beautiful space. And on the first floor was this guy that loomed hand rugs. And wow. throughout throughout my stay there, every day I went and just, you know. T- I try to speak to him. I'm like, oh, these rugs are so beautiful, super detailed, super detailed. I'm like, I'd love to buy this Frida one. And then every day I checked up on him. And by the time uh, I left, like everyone, he tells me, everyone tells them they're going to buy it, but no one ever does because it's one of his most expensive rugs from what he was telling me. So on the last day when I was leaving Oaxaca after, you know, tasting all the tequila, all the mezcal, um, I went to him like, hey, I'd like to purchase this rug. he was just starstruck. He, he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, here's my credit card. Please take it. And then he started calling. He picked up his phone and he called someone. He's just saying, all I could understand was fiesta, fiesta, fiesta. Sorry. And I'm like, I'm like, oh man, like, am I getting taken like advantage of? Like, is this like a, is this like a fake rug or something? Yeah. Like, right. yeah. Then, 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 then I was with one of my friends, friends who spoke obviously, you know, language better than me. And like, I guess throughout transition after the process, he's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like you buying this rug, just pay for my mom's new roof. You know what I mean? So so it was like, so I'm like, Oh my God, like, this is incredible. Like that's why we, we hang at Ivy Pearl very proudly. I mean, I'm sorry, not at Blossom Bar very proudly because it's like, it's that story, that lineage of travel. So we, when we created the uh, broken Spanish cocktail where we want to pay homage to that, trip that I have, but more importantly, you know, to the culture of Mexico and especially that rug. I remember next door uh, to the Hacienda, it was the first time I ate Chapulinas tacos. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, you guys know what Chapulinas is? I don't think I do. So Chapulinas is essentially grasshopper, just fried oh, grasshopper. Okay. Oh, know, yes. It's, yep. it's, so I was eating uh, grasshopper tacos. I was like, oh man, wow. and I was sipping tequila and it had avocados <laughs> in it. So I mean, you put those three together, that's a broken Spanish, right? So okay, that's kind of like that. how we kind of come up with the thought process of the cocktails and flavors from indigenous regions. But more importantly, you know, what makes the drink more memorable now is the fact that next time you take a sip of broken Spanish, it's going to remind you of that story, right? Yeah, that's so, cool. So, that's really cool. So our whole point is, you know, how do we, in, uh, how do we make not just food and drink more meaningful, but, you know, have that have that lineage and have a history behind that without, you know, and when we tell guests that too, it's like, they see the whole space, it all comes together. So that's what makes hospitality really, really fun for me, where, you know, we can express ourselves in so many different hidden ways. It's storytelling through food and drink, which is so amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, Rand, I'm curious, does your dad help you create any of this? Or I know I was reading a little bit about him too, is he's an opera singer. So does he still yeah. help you come up with these concepts or is he kind of following uh, his passion? So I, I wish he follows his passion more, <laughs> you know, so rewinding a little farther back to growing up. I mean, we, we moved to America when I was three years old, chasing the American dream. 
Uh, my dad was mm-hmm. obviously here. My mom was obviously here. Um, wow. Luckily for us, my dad got a full ride to LSU uh, to sing opera. You know, so That's my so dad, cool. when, when I was, yeah. So when my dad was obviously younger, I was younger. Um, you know, my dad thought he was going to become the next Pavarotti or something, which he, I mean, if, if you ever hear my dad sing, he still does shows from time to time. He, he's incredible. I, I think he has a voice of an angel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, 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 more, but more importantly, you know, like he thought, I mean, every father's goal is to provide for your family, to provide a better life. Right. So right. that's, that's, that's what he thought our golden ticket was going to be. But, you know, when he came to America, after he graduated, we moved to Boston, he went to BU to get his master's. And, you know, unfortunately, opera is not that popular in America, you know, so mm. like most families, you know, what else were we going to do? Uh, we were a Chinese family, immigrant family in America. Only thing we're going to do is just cook Chinese food, like like every majority of other Chinese families that moved to America to try to make a living. So that's how Blossom Bar or Sitzwan Garden started uh, 25 years ago. Um, but going back to my father and uh, he, 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 he and I talk about Chinese food all the time. We, we go out to eat once a week and we obviously try to look for inspiration wherever we go to eat. But uh, mm-hmm. as far as like the Chinese Sichuan cuisine, him and my mom are definitely like hands on in the kitchen, making sure all the mother sauces are, you know, up oh, to cool. standards. I love that. All the ingredients are standards. So you're still involved more in the back of the house way. And then, you know, Obviously, they don't do as much operating. Uh, I now take, right. you know, operate the whole company, but uh, I it's very important for me that they're so involved in some aspect because it not just you know how should I say this? Um, it, the food just tastes different when they're involved. I don't know how to mm-hmm. I don't know how to put it. Even if it's the same recipe, when mom like when mom has her hands on something or my dad supervises it, it just taste better I, I i don't know i don't really know how to describe it you know it's it's just one of those things where it's like I know uh, what you mean. maybe my yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. love that so, and i totally get it yeah yeah i think so, it's so cool yeah so that essentially that's that's the only thing they're involved in ivy pearl um you know obviously my mom's allergic to seafood so she can't really yeah but uh but you know she has she loves a burger there surprisingly so <laughs> But, um, she does. you know, there you uh, go. Yeah. So for 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 the future concepts, our, our company that we plan for, uh, you know, if it's Chinese food related or anything like that, um, my, my parents are definitely involved. But, um, you know, if it's anything outside of that realm, uh, they're more big fans of eating and drinking than being in the kitchen. So definitely. Probably. Yeah. Yep. Now, um, Red, you do all of your own photography for your social handles, right? For all the restaurants. Tell us about yes. that. So you have a you have another passion for photography as well. Yeah. So photography and videography kind of came at me just like how bartending did, essentially. Uh, wow. You know, obviously paying for photographers, paying for videographers, uh, especially back when we started in 2014, 2015. I mean. It's expensive, you know, photography, yeah. hiring photography for a couple hours. It you is. Know, but this was also before the big social media boom, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, we knew what Instagram was back then, but this was before TikTok. This was before um, any of the other media platforms. So, you know, we, it got to the point where, you know, we were making these beautiful cocktails and, 
we were paying for photographers to come once a month to shoot so we can like update our advertising and stuff like that. And then I'm like, wow, I, you know, for the amount I'm spending on photographer, I can just buy a really nice camera, some nice lenses and just kind of teach myself. So it got to the point where that was a realm where I'm like, all right, let's just do this. Let's just figure it out. Uh, but I've been shooting for about seven years and I, I haven't looked back. So uh, wow. I was lucky enough for the first two, three years to really just kind of hone in and essentially watch YouTube. I'll be honest with you. YouTube is probably <laughs> one of my favorite things to watch, to learn on. If I ever have anything, a question about, man, how do I do this? How do I do that? Chances are if you YouTube it, it's going to pop up. Uh, yeah. So um, I'm essentially like a YouTube trained photographer, which I don't know if that's something proud to say or not, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the way it kind of it, it developed. You know what I mean? It's really taught me the fundamentals of photography, you know, from, I, I don't want to just start throwing random terms from my solo uh, to exposure, but stuff like that. But, you know, yeah. it really teaches you the basics of that. And then you can kind of hone your skill a little bit by just practicing, 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 practicing. So um, it got to the point where um, after I traveled, uh, it got to the point where these big brands like Bacardi, Bombay Sapphire, uh, a lot of these big spirits brands saw what I was doing. So they actually reached out to me. So I was able to partner with them as well. So it's kind of like two different careers, two different worlds crossing paths together. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's got to the point where, you know, obviously before, uh, before the pandemic in 2020, from 2018 to 2019, I was also traveling to four or five countries a year, just shooting, which was, which was incredible oh, wow. for me. You know, it was almost nice. like turning into a different career for me. Um, but at the same time, I was still able to line that career with my, my restaurant career, if that makes sense, because I mean, photography and food, obviously, you know, it's, yep. it's synonymous. Uh, so yeah, long story short. Um, yeah, I, I never looked back at photography as well. And, and now I'm completely obsessed with photography. Like, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's fun and it becomes addicting, you know, you, I mean, right. you know. You, you sooner or later, you know, you have so much gear. I don't even know what to do with it right now, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I would say I was very lucky where I was able to kind of change my passion a little, not change my passion, but develop Expand a new it. passion. Right. Expand my passion to that. And, uh, you know, obviously now I do all the social media campaigns. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, you know, it's, it's fun to be able to have full control of, the content and the concept because you're not only designing the product you're not only designing the aesthetics but now you're also shooting it and the right. message you're getting out is just like it's a whole 360 compass of like creative control if that makes any sense yeah you have full creative control of the yeah. vision which is amazing exactly. because it has to be social media has to be an extension of your menu your restaurant your vibe so the fact that you're owning all of that shows like the cohesiveness exactly which is so yeah. important and your photos are stunning thank so you, you should you. be proud like i need to sit with youtube and teach myself some of those things because i kind of point shoot and pray you know That's yeah no i just <laughs> i mean i i love to honestly i, I love to if you ever need a, a, a extra hand or like someone to tag along eating next time you let me know i'll be there and i'll be there with my camera absolutely I, sign me up that sounds amazing yeah. um now we wanted to touch on COVID. I know you you talked about it a little bit, but um, you know how did your businesses shift? I remember we actually collaborated on your cocktail kits that you were selling for at home cocktails 
Um, so was How was that for you? Was that something that helped or was your business already there for takeout? And then how was opening a new restaurant during the pandemic? You know, how, how did you have to change your business standards because of that? So um, Blossom Mixers definitely, I mean, it's, it, saved our, it saved our company for sure. It was something that yeah. was such a whirlwind that we were not expecting the response that we were getting from it. Um, yeah. Essentially, I remember people freaking out about it. They were so excited. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, once Governor Baker announced lockdown, I forgot when it was. It was February March, or March last March year. March 15th. March yeah, March 15th. 15th, yeah. Once they announced, I remember me just sitting at Blossom Bar and me with our managers talking about like, man, what are we going to do? Like, this sucks. Yeah. I mean, we went from being like, you know, booked to suddenly every restaurant just, I mean, every reservation just falling off you know what i mean all the uh-huh. private events that we've booked this fall we're like what are we going to do uh we can't sell alcohol like uh. we, like people can't really come in like what's the point of a bar if we're just serving bar food or we're serving chinese food so we essentially came up with a concept within a week so we shot the campaign shot the videos shot the product shots uh came up with the recipes within one week uh Thank God for Will. He he's he's definitely he took lead on that, and um, we just one day we're like, you know what? Let's just launch this on social media. Let's put some ad revenue behind it, and let's see what happens. I just remember waking up to that first day to emails, and we had I think over five hundred confirmation conf- wow. confirmed orders within four hours. And Whoa! Like, wow. it, it got to the point where we we laid off we laid off majority of our staff uh once this happened and within one week we were able to bring all our staff back just for blossom for shipments for fulfillment orders uh which to to me obviously you know like our number one job uh goal is you know besides obviously hospitality making the guests happy is to provide jobs but not just any jobs safe jobs you know so so we closed down blossom bar um to take out only and we literally removed all the tables and it it just looked like a shipping department. Uh, luckily for yeah. us, we, one of our uh, staff members there used to work at Apple. So we were literally <laughs> taking like shipping like strategies from different companies that like we've known. Like we've had Whoa. pickup grids like numbered. We pick up a schedule time. It got to the point where it was literally a full shipping um, uh, wow. That's crazy. operation. Yeah. So uh, till, till date now, um, I forgot the, I, I forgot the, I think we sold over 70,000 Blossom, no, no, we sold over 100,000 Blossom Mixer units within one year. Uh, uh, oh my gosh. And, and we, 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 it got to the point where we were, we were in three liquor stores and we were shipping nationally. And then we also got to the point where we were selling glassware, hats, I mean, you name it, like wherever oh, we could provide, you know, guess our product. Yeah. So wherever we could provide the guests escapism, once again, going back to escapism and transporting guests or with memory or to a different place, you know, the whole point of Blossom Mixer was transferring people out of their homes during lockdown uh, to somewhere tropical or something through every drink. So that, yeah. I felt like that was probably when we really were able to, you know, pull that common factor with everyone that was going through pandemic where everyone didn't know what they were doing. They were just at home, they were bored, they were just watching TV or God knows what they were doing, you know? Right. But uh, Blossom Mixers was really able to pull that string and provide people uh, a sense of normalcy during a time when they needed the most. And I feel like that's probably why Blossom Mixers really, really kicked off. And uh, I think we were, we, were, we were literally the first ones to launch something like that in, 
the greater Boston area. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, we really have a look back, you know, I mean, we're still selling blocks and mixers, obviously not to the degree that we were during the pandemic because the bars open, but you know, right. it, it definitely saved our bars, saved, uh, saved jobs for us. And we were able to rehire our staff. I mean, it got to the point where we were selling at Baldwin bar too. And then luckily for us, do you know, Jackson Cannon? No. Yes. Uh, so Jackson Cannon is a uh, head of a uh, uh, beverage director for, Island Creek, Mr. San Hawthorne, obviously, uh, it really changed the pivot of how we uh, marketed not just Blossom Experience. Now, you know, it was a whole different game where we can now do podcasts to go. So we're very lucky where podcasts to go with the spirits and everything has taken over a majority of the to go cocktails versus Blossom Mixers, but Blossom Mixers still a thing. But uh, I still look back, you know, from a year, a year ago, and I still pinch myself on, you know, how incredible it was. Like it was a struggle of luck, honestly. Like the way Blossom Mixers turned out. Well, they were so so nicely done, and I think to your point, you know, anyone can make themselves uh, gin and tonic, but these are elevated cocktails that no one would have the materials or you know knowledge to, to know how to make at home, and you laid it out so easily. Yeah. Where it was, it was exciting, and I remember when I got my package, it was exciting. Like I was. <laughs> You showed me the shell, my, the shell glass. Yeah, I still like drink water out of the shell glass. Yeah. Like I love that glass, but it's, it was exciting, and fresh, and like it was it was bright and and different. And I think that's why you know it was cool. Yeah. It, was, it was cool. And I, I remember yeah. feeling that that feeling. So you hit the nail on the head there. It was really really awesome. Yeah, yeah and and you're so I guess switching gears a little bit, but but creative cocktails aside, for you. What is your go-to cocktail staple? Yep. <laughs> so I actually, I've been trying to drink healthier. Uh, I, I've been trying to drink a lot healthier now. Um, I know that sounds, it's kind of like an oxymoron, <laughs> drinking <laughs> healthier. Uh, but uh, I love to drink th- Tom Collins, Zachary's, like low, lower ABV variants on those. Like a lot of times I'll, I'll swap like a gin or rum with sherry or some vermouth just oh, because, cool. you know, obviously, with COVID happening, my, you know, everyone's health kick probably, well, I would like to think everyone's health kick kind of kicked on where everyone's being more careful on what putting their, what they're putting inside their bodies because yeah. everyone wants to be We're as sitting. healthy as possible. So for We're me, actually, <laughs> I, I went on this crazy, yeah, I went on this, I went on this crazy journey of like, before I was chugging Manhattans all day to now where I'm like actually being conscious of how much sugar I'm putting in my body. Also, yeah. being older, it doesn't help, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, uh, I, I love like anything Pim's Cup, anything Tom Collins, anything stretch with soda water is probably my go to drink because, um, you know, I, I believe right now, especially, you know, in 2021, like drinking healthy is a thing now. You know yeah. what I mean? Where mm-hmm. like people are, uh, I, I don't want to say like, you know, it's cliche to say the skinny girl margarita or anything like that, but like it's, being health conscious and putting more of those ingredients and, you know, even being a responsible bar owner, uh, teaching guests how to drink healthier is also a thing. So once again, going back to the, uh, rough Spanish, anyway, I can slip vegetables in people's drinks. I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? So, uh, totally. We, we have a pimp stuff with celery, ivory pearl. That's one of my favorite drinks right now at the moment. Um, and you know, it's safe to say I'm, I'm getting my daily dose of, uh, celery. Here we go. Uh, we, we, we go. have a, we have, um, 
Cadillac margarita mar- uh, variant where we model some fresh uh, tomatoes in there for a different style of acidity and uh, brightness. So, I mean, that I feel like that's kind of a trend where cocktails are going in the future, if that makes any sense. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I, I think I had a cocktail with like avocado in it one time at Blossom Bar yeah. too. It was like stuff like yeah. that. It was so good. Um, yeah. So drink and then food. So what's your favorite comfort food or just favorite thing to cook on your own? Or are you always eating in one of your restaurants? Uh, so I try to not eat at my restaurants as much. Uh, <laughs> obviously, you get sick of the food after a while, you know. Uh, but uh, honestly, uh, I've been really obsessed with Lowell. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys ever eat in Lowell, uh, Lowell, Massachusetts. I live in Burlington, so Lowell is only like a 15-minute drive mm-hmm. for me. Uh, but I've discovered a neighborhood of Cambodian food, of Ooh. Laos food, of Southeast Amer- American food that like flavors that like I've never had before. Super authentic. Uh, uh, how should I say this? I, I think uh, Lowell has one of the biggest po- uh, Cambodian populations in America, actually. Really? Uh, so Simply Kamar, uh, Kum Ta, uh, there's so many different variants of Southeast Asian foods where like it's just been blown, blowing my mind. Um, I think I'm really obsessed with that right now because it's it's healthier than like typical cheeseburgers or uh, I don't want to say American food is not healthy because uh, <laughs> it's really not fair to judge American food as just cheeseburgers and hot dogs. But like, you know, for the general public, I think that's kind of like the assumption. Right. So uh, right. I've been eating a lot of Thai food as well. Korean food. I've been just really jogging on uh, and Mexican food. I've been obsessed with Mexican food lately. I've been um, I've been trying to find some of the best Mexican food in uh Boston and Eastie has definitely taken the crown for me. Really? Uh, and I've been traveling a lot to Rhode Island to eat there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I recently uh, moved to Providence. So, so I've been loving the oh, yeah? food scene down here. Yeah. It's amazing. Have you, have you been to have you been to Dolores yet? Um, no, I don't think I have. If you if you like Mexican food, I kid you not, my favorite Mexican food in uh at least in New England, uh some of the closest things I've, some of the closest flavors I've found to Oaxaca uh, is at Dolores, Providence, Rhode Island. Good to know. Do yourself a favor. Check that out. Uh, oh, you gotta go. The, you gotta go, Kate. Oh, I the, know. The, the brothers there, the Mesa brothers, but this is the kicker. Talking about family restaurants, uh, their mom works in the kitchen and she grounds masa, heirloom masa, corn wow. daily for their tortillas and stuff like that. Oh, that's, uh, that's from Mexico. So, like, when you eat the dish like any of the dishes there, like the masa is so pronounced it's, it's harder to describe the umami notes of it but um definitely try it and let me know Ooh, too. yeah definitely we've been going to zaco taco there's a great guatemalan place yep. down the street from us called mi ranchito so oh the food here is amazing yep. but um, yeah, providence yeah. does have amazing food yeah brits visited a couple times but i have yeah um, cool. Well, before I think we wrap, what do you have any advice for aspiring bartenders? And also, I know personally, my fiance and I have been experimenting a lot with cocktails at home. <laughs> We've acquired yeah. a bunch of interesting liqueurs like pastis and all this other stuff. Um, do you have any advice for people who just want to get started with some basic cocktail making? What what kind of materials might they need? Of course. So, um, you know, if, if you're a home bartender, I always think of, uh, the classic ratios, um, not to bore people with algorithms of cocktails or anything, but um, to kind of put it in the best perspective, uh, let's talk about Negroni, right? Negroni mm-hmm. is essentially equal parts gin, vermouth, 
uh, and Campari, right? Equal parts, one, one, one. I right. like to call that essentially like the BLT of cocktails. Bacon, lettuce, tomatoes. You know what I mean? Like, wow. yeah. You, 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 like, uh, I feel like when people look at cocktail recipes, like, you should just look at classic cocktail recipes: a daiquiri, Negroni, Manhattan's, mojitos. And what I, my recommendation to all home bartenders is, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Just swap ingredients out. Uh, for example, um, if you want to make a Boulevardier, all you're doing essentially is just swapping out the gin and the Negroni for whiskey. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but yeah, it's like yeah, a chicken palm versus beer palm. I've heard that before. Yeah. You know, don't try to get crazy. Just Exactly. I mean, I feel like the best way for people to kind of relate to drinks is how they cook at home. Uh, you know, Negroni veal parm, chicken parm is a boulevardier versus uh, Negroni. I mean, you could have a daiquiri or a margarita. Those are essentially the same things, except you're just swapping out lime versus lemon and you're swapping out tequila versus the other spirit. So I think for my advice for home bartenders to never try to reinvent the wheel, pick a cocktail that you really like and then you know the ratio works, the measurements, two ounce, one ounce, one ounce, or something like that works for that ingredient and just start experimenting and swapping out the spirits. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that sugar concept where if it's like simple syrup or something, maybe you're doing something where you're just putting some mint in that syrup, syrup to let it cool down when it heats, or you're adding a fruit element to that syrup. Um, and that's, that's really the best way to experiment with, uh, with home bartenders where you're not changing um, the main DNA of the cocktail, but you're just adding ingredients to kind of spice it up. If that makes sense. Definitely. It's so interesting. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense too. It's like the base, the structure is there. You just, kind of you run stand with it. on it yeah. and run with it yeah, exactly. that's so yeah um now we just wanted to wrap this up you know what's next for you what's next for your restaurants is there any fun project you're working on that you want to share with our listeners um you know what's what's coming in the future uh so we are working on uh uh how should i say this it's like a horse trailer part it's called birds of paradise oh. Um, oh. it's, it's so at, at Baldwin Bar, we, we recently opened up an ADC patio, which is huge. Uh, so we, we eventually, we're going to have a horse trailer bar coming where it's going to be, uh, essentially inspired by travel. Um, it's going to mm -hmm. be essentially a bar that's going to be outside of the Baldwin Bar, as well as, you know, it's going to be able to be rented out for weddings, for birthdays. So it's a, it's a mobile bar, essentially. That's, that's what they kind awesome. of describe it. But, but for cool. the whole... The whole point of this horse trailer bars um, is the menus uh, inspired by traveling. So each of the menu item, when we print out the menu, it looks like airplane tickets. Um, and because we're in COVID, Aww. obviously no one can travel anywhere. Going back to escapism, travel, everything. Um, we're going to have rotating cocktails in there, but it's going to be inspired by two locations. Uh, so, for example, if it was uh, like the Broken Spanish, it'd be to Mexico. Do you, do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? Where yeah, it's, that's it's, so cool. People yeah, can order. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. People order yeah. drinks based on destination instead of just uh, the ingredients where, where do you want to travel to? You know, you want to go to J Japan, maybe it's a, uh, it's a yuzu matcha highball. You want to go to Brazil, maybe it's something with cachaça and kupasu or something like that. So uh, the whole DNA of, once again, the bird of paradise is traveling. So that, that's kind of our next project coming up where, you know, we're really looking at the DNA of the hospitality industry and how COVID's affected. And that's kind of like our next adaptation move where we can also bring uh, the party to people's houses or people's weddings and stuff like that. Catering that's essentially. Amazing. Yeah. That's going to yeah. be huge. And I love, 
I love that you keep saying escapism. I think that's so important. And I haven't really heard that word be used in hospitality before. Yeah. And I think it's like, that's awesome. I think that's going to be such a hit. Yeah, you hope so. Huh. <laughs> oh, I definitely think it will. Well, Rand, thank you so much. This was, I, I feel like I learned so much during this conversation and it's great to hear your story and how you got started. And I think I admire you for your ability to self-teach and learn things and, and just like run with it. I think that that's huge and something we can all learn from. So thank you so much for your time today. And we're honored to have you on our podcast and um, we learned a lot. So can't yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. Big fan. Thank you. So. It's, a, it's an honor to be uh, your first podcast. So now I want to focus my BFJ Insider Scoop today on Mother's Day because that's coming up. And a lot of you have been asking me where you can go and where you can take your mom in the city for a nice brunch or dinner. So before I jump into some restaurants that are offering some really cool prefix menus, I wanted to take this time to highlight Women's Lunch Place, which is a daytime shelter in Boston um, for women experiencing homelessness and poverty. So Women's Lunch Place can be found on Instagram at WLP Boston. They're doing something really cool where they highlight local artists and the artist makes this gorgeous card and the cards can be purchased and $25, the card is $25 and those proceeds go straight to their charity. So one card provides one week of healthy meals for a woman in need. So it's a really cool way to support local art and also give back to the community. And we all need cards. You, you, you all need to buy your mom a card for Mother's Day, right? So this is a good way to do it. And this is not just something they do around Mother's Day. I'm pretty sure they do it often. So make sure to check them out at WLP Boston. And um, the cards are really gorgeous. I, I got to see the one they're doing this season and it's, it's just amazing. So check That's them amazing. out. I know, I love, I love, love them. So check them out. Um, now to jump into some local restaurants that are offering some some prefix menus for Mother's Day. So my favorite Ocean Prime is doing Mother's Day brunch or dinner. They're also offering an at-home meal kit that includes a salad, choice of beef or, or fish, and a dessert. So that's kind of cool too for those who are not so keen on eating inside yet. You can get something to go and, and eat it at your own house. Pro tip, if you do that, order their butter cake. If you guys follow me, you know I'm literally obsessed. Like I want to like you're obsessed with all my... desserts, Brittany. Let's I know, be but this one, this one in particular, like I just want to like shove my head in it and like breathe it in. It's so... we want to see a video of you cutting into it. Oh, it's been done. It's yeah. been done. I, I mean, <laughs> last time I went, I, I love them there, and they're just so hospitable. And we got to sample all the desserts. The carrot cake is also elite, but for me, the butter cake is insane. So definitely get that if you go to Ocean Prime. They do have a nice patio as well. Oh, nice. Um, I was just going to ask that. Outdoor dining. Yeah, they do. Lovely yep, down they, there. Nice patio right in the seaport. So definitely check them out. Um, Boston Harbor Hotel is doing Mother's Day two ways. One is a prefix brunch from 11 to 4 p.m. at Rose Wharf Sea Grill. That's $85 for adults and $30 for kids. This is so cool. They're also doing an afternoon tea, which consists of small bites and bubbly. That's from 1 to 4 p.m. Waterfront views, $75 for adults and $30 for children. I love adorable. that option because, it, yeah, it's adorable and it's like, less intense, you know, it's not like a sit down heavy brunch, something light and cool. 
I can pretend I traveled to London or something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the dorky one in the sister relationship. Yeah, she's you a little guessed. bit of a dork. Brittany's way corny. cooler than me. So. She's a little corny. <laughs> and she's I'm not corny. joking. She is cooler than me, but that's okay. Continue, No, Brent. you're Sorry. cool in your own way, Caitlin. <laughs> um, next, Sanzi, one of my favorites on Newberry Street, is doing Mother's Day packages and Mother's Day dinner specials, so check them out. Harvard Gardens in Beacon Hill is doing a smaller prefix menu for just $38.00. And they're also giving away a complimentary dessert, which is really fun. This is a good option for those who don't want to break the bank or really splurge. I love their food there. It's it's com comforting. It's warm. Um, and it's a really good spot. It's been there forever. So make sure to check them out. For all you beer lovers out there, cough, cough, Caitlin. <laughs> Harpoon Beer Hall is doing a Mother's Day brunch from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's going to feature mimosa flights, great food, some more beers, of course. They're also selling Mother's Day baskets starting the week of 5-3 in their retail store. The baskets include some of their seasonal beer, a bunch of swag that says number one mom, and then some other fun stuff like preserves and a couple other trinkets. So that sounds really cool for all those who love beer. And then lastly, the restaurant groups um, with Atlantic Fish, Joe's Newberry, Joe's Water Waterfront, and Abe and Louie's are doing a bun brunch of a brunch, a bunch of brunch. <laughs> prefix menus as well. So I would suggest if you're looking to dine out or order in, you guys should make some reservations soon because I would think it's going to be pretty busy and obviously space is limited. So check out those restaurants. If you have any questions about what I just mentioned, just shoot us a DM. Um, but I think that's a good variety of options and hopefully you find something you like in them. Yeah. It's so nice to, to see all that and, you know, restaurants in the city in general, just opening back up again when the nice weather hits. So looking forward to all the exciting things 2020 has to hold 2021 2021 oh my god i'm so we, we don't want things from 2020 <laughs> <laughs> no no we don't. we don't we do not want nope we're never don't. going back we're, only like, bite forward. your tongue bite your tongue yes well anyway thank you guys for tuning in we hope you yes, liked it thank like, you like we said earlier give us a rate and review also like if you hate something tell us kindly <laughs> but we want to know we want to know what you like and don't like about this podcast what you want to see you know if you want to hear from a certain guest or you want me to talk about another topic in the boston food journal scoop section or you want caitlin to feature a white wine whatever it is we want all of your feedback um, but we really appreciate you tuning in and we'll see you next week bye guys bye ciao no no ciao <laughs> <laughs>